You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hi, I'm George Siegel, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my podcast called Tell Us How to Make It Better. I think we can all agree there are a lot of problems in the world. You probably know people who like to complain about them. On my podcast, I like to introduce you to people who are actually trying to make those problems better. My guests range from a DIY queen who shows you how to do projects around the house to a woman who has created an app to help keep your family safe. We've done shows on repurposing trees to the dangers of binge drinking among teens to finding solutions to the challenges of climate change. I love people who are trying to solve problems, and I hope you'll join me each week to hear their stories on the Tell Us How to Make It Better podcast. Before we start, I want to thank all of the Weird Libertarians patrons for being a part of the show. You can find out all of the benefits of subscribing on Patreon at joinwallplus.com. That's W-A-L-plus.com. You'll get bonus content, access to the complete archives. There's over a thousand shows that you can't get in the public feed, and you'll be supporting all of our great shows. Thank you especially to our $100 a month members, John Pusillo, Vincent Peichel, Lars Nordskog, Jake Dell, Matthew Durbin, Reinhold, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle. We also want to thank our main sponsor for this episode. Uh, it is Iconic Insurance. 15% of Americans are left to find health insurance on their own. And even if you get health insurance from your employer that doesn't work for you, Matt Allen and Iconic Insurance can help you find the right insurance. Just head over right now and contact him at iconic-insurance.com slash libertarians. We'll put the link in the description if you can't remember that. But Matt is a longtime listener of this program and a great guy and a good friend of mine. So please go support him and reach out right now. Thank you. And now let's get started with our show. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Thank you for joining me here today. We have a, a big issue. It's like a, a red alert emergency podcast. Uh, we've got experts on to talk about, well, we've got Brad Palumbo, who's an expert on pretty much everything, Brad. You, I love following you on Twitter. You always have great takes. You're uh, the host and a writer at Based Politics with our friend Hannah Cox. And uh, tell us about Based first. Let's start there before we start uh, about the student loan uh, debt forgiveness proposal. Yeah, absolutely. So Based Politics started as a podcast. Check it out, Based Politics Podcast, hosted by uh, me and Hannah Cox, where we kind of shoot the shit, talk about what's in the news, what's trending on the internet. Uh, and you know, from an independent, not partisan, not tribal, but like libertarian, freedom-based, but not dogmatic, not capital L libertarian. Uh, and it was really successful. And we increasingly saw the need for kind of next generation multimedia platform. Uh, because, you know, we have libertarian magazines, we have a few libertarian TV hosts, but who are the libertarian TikTokers? Who are the libertarian Instagram influencers? We're way behind. Yeah. TPUSA and, you know, the right wing, they have this, the left wing has this, uh, but we think liberty folks need that. And so that's what we've built at Base Politics. It's a nonprofit, next generation multimedia uh, organization that's going to spread these principles of classical liberalism to the next generation by actually going to the platforms that they're on. Most people that I talk to in the movement don't even know what Twitch is, <laughs> let alone stream on it and uh, make content and reach the youths. Uh, but that's what we do. And uh, for podcast listeners, they should definitely check out our show because 
uh, I think our audience probably has a lot of overlap in terms of what they would like and appreciate. Yeah, what I like about you guys is that you're trying to make content for TikTok and Instagram and not Gab and Truth Social, which is rare in the libertarian creator space. So thank you for what you two are doing. We really do appreciate it. Let's start with uh, student loan debt. Let's start from the beginning. Tell me why it is so expensive to go to college now and why loans are so expensive to begin with. It's brutal. And that's the thing. Nobody's denying the seriousness of this issue. Like, even once you adjust for inflation, the cost of college has more than doubled since 1981. So, you know, if you look at it without adjusting for inflation, it's like eight times more, but it's still more than double even once you factor in all the inflation. It's way more expensive than it used to be. There are a couple of reasons for this, but the single biggest one is the federal student loan subsidy program. So you know how government subsidies go, right? They set out trying to make something more affordable, but when you just inflate demand, (laughs) prices kind of end up going up a lot of the time. And so a bunch of research has found that for every dollar that they spent on subsidized federal student loans, tuition prices rose for about 60 cents. So it was mostly captured. It helped a little, but then it also made the prices go way up and made the problem way worse in the long run. Another big thing is that the campuses, and I know where I went at UMass, this was absolutely the case. We had a vice provost, chancellor, deputy, assistant to the uh, dean of everything. And uh, the costs of a degree have gone up at the same time that the administrative state at these universities has exploded. So according to the Wall Street Journal, from 1997 to 2005, the cost of a degree tripled. That's not adjusting for inflation, but they tripled. And faculty to student ratios, you know, like professors per students, those all stayed the same. But administrator to student ratios skyrocketed. They increased by 85% the number of administrators. And then staffers overall, it was 240%. I mean, I've literally seen colleges that are building water parks. They've become so much more than they were ever supposed to be. Uh, And that's a huge part of why the cost is so out of control. What do you you contribute that to? Is that a a function of the amount of competition that you've you've really got to do your best to attract people, especially as there's this generational cliff heading towards colleges where less people are going to go to college because there's less people to go to college? Um, Or is it just a matter of having so many people on staff and they want promotions and you've got to put them somewhere like... What are, what are reasons for this growth of the administrative state? Well, I think it's essentially like if you give any organization just kind of a blank check, <laughs> and there's no real profit motive because the market's been so distorted and regulated. And these government schools have literally no profit motive. Uh, they just expand and expand. Some of it's the, I, the competition, but I think it's more that if you just give uh, bureaucracies blank check budgets that keep increasing every year. And then they have essentially a hostage uh, consumer base that is having their ability to pay artificially inflated. They're going to just keep spending money and justifying their own existence. I mean, that's what nonprofits and uh, government agencies tend to do. Uh, And if they get too big, they become, they just grow and administration leads to more administration. Right. Um, And so then they just, grow and grow and grow, and you really got to scale them back. But we know that's part of the problem because we've actually seen examples like there's this guy, Mitch Daniels in Indiana, 
Uh, are you from Indiana? Yep, that's uh, right right over here. Where is it? You see Mitch right over my shoulder and then the MyGov Mitch button. Yeah, I'm, I was about to start yeah. explaining who Mitch Daniels you was to you. You don't have to to was... me, but explain the great <laughs> Mitch. All hail Mitch Daniels. We're a part of the cult of so Mitch here. He, uh, he used to be the governor, and I'm probably going to leave things out here that you'll know. Uh, but then after he was the governor of Indiana, a Republican, he went and took over Purdue University. Uh, as the pr- president, he slashed the budget, enacted a tuition freeze, cut administration, just through some like modest fiscal sanity. He saved parents and families millions and millions of dollars. And that just shows you like it really could be done. But that's not even being addressed here. I had friends who worked at Purdue and they were Democrats. Uh, one, she was like, Oh, I'm, I'm so mad they hired him. I can't believe they did the, checked in with her about two years ago. I said, So do you still dislike Mitch Dan? She's like, No, I love him. Uh, she's an administrative assistant. She's like, I've gotten three raises and he did it without raising tuition and really has shown and given a model for how to reform colleges and do things that you know, are, are necessary in lowering tuition or keeping it at the same rate, at least. The Indianapolis Star recently published an article, Has Mitch Daniels Ruined Education? So that's your Gannett hometown paper for you. Uh, has he helped or harmed education? It's crazy. Yeah, Indiana, because of Mitch Daniels, and uh, we have a lot of student choice organizations. The Friedman Foundation is here. Sally May converted into a nonprofit. It's now the Lumina Foundation. It's based downtown. We were one of the first cities to have charter schools. And Mitch Daniels is always at the forefront of all that. And we're all wondering where he's going to go next. Um, Some are saying maybe the NCAA to kind of guide that ship or maybe just sail off into the sunset. Can that be saved? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look, these I always know is the offensive linemen are finally getting paid from Hooters. They're getting their NIL deals and getting uh, all kinds of money for, for their name and likeness. Okay, so Joe Biden has done what? All I've seen is TikTok, uh, is TikTok and Instagram and Twitter, so I don't know any details about this, which is why I'm having you on. Explain to me what Joe Biden has done, because he's uh, either saved the life of every Democrat or he has literally murdered half of our children, according to Republicans. But what are the details? Well, nothing quite that extreme. So what I did is Wednesday morning, I saw all this news breaking. I just went to WhiteHouse.gov and looked at the actual announcement. Uh, (laughs) What? Yeah. So what they're doing is attempting to unilaterally through executive actions, no, no act of Congress. And that's important. We can come back to why that's important. Uh, cancel, quote unquote, which really means transfer to taxpayers, $10,000 in student loan debt, federal student loan debt, not private bank loans, but the vast majority of it is actually owed to the federal government. So uh, $10,000 per borrower will be canceled, aka transferred. As uh, for people who earn less than one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars as an individual, or for if they're married and have a household, their household income will have to be below two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to qualify. They're also giving twenty thousand, so the ten thousand plus another ten thousand to anybody who received a Pell Grant, which is a form of financial aid the government gives out to low-income prospective college students in a way they hope targets the money a little more to people who are actually poor. And then they're also creating an income-based repayment plan 
that will like forgive some of the interest on the loans as you pay a share. Add it all up, and it will cost more than $500 billion, roughly $3,500 per federal taxpayer on average. So it's not full student debt cancellation like Bernie and AOC want. It's got some income guardrails that make it less of a handout to the rich, um, but it's still a drastic move, and it's going to cost a lot of freaking money. It's all, I mean, we're in la-la land economically. I mean, modern monetary theory means we can just print whatever we want. We'll all be fine. And it's based on the book, The Death Myth, The Deficit Myth, excuse me. Um, Give us some sort of context as to how much 500, you said billion, is like in the grand scheme of things. Like is, that seems like a lot, but I don't know in 2022 anymore. So it would average out to 3500 per federal taxpayer, like I said. To put it in context, it's less than the military budget in <laughs> one year, but the military budget's also freaking massive and more than like the next seven countries combined. Um, I'll put it this way. It's like four to five times as much as we spent uh, on Operation Warp Speed and developing the COVID vaccines. Okay. <laughs> So just to show you what our priorities are, um, it's a lot of money. It's maybe a fourth the size of one of these massive stimulus bills. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a lot of money, It's but it's only perhaps uh, a third to a fourth as much as full student debt cancellation would cost. It, it's sort of galling to hear Republicans suddenly find Jesus when Donald Trump is the one that passed two of the three stimulus bills, teed up the third one, did Operation Warp Speed, uh, delayed the first checks because he wanted to put his name on them to buy votes in 2020. Um, but they they do have a point in that this is Joe Biden trying to buy, buy votes. Do you agree with that? I mean, or is Joe Biden's heart just really in the right place? Oh, no, I think it's Joe Biden trying to buy votes. And the reason I think that is because... Just last year, he admitted, I don't have the authority to do this. I probably (laughs) without Congress. And now suddenly, a couple of months before the midterm election, he says, actually, we looked really hard and we found some powers here under this old ass statute. Uh, and, And so Nancy Pelosi admitted on camera, the president can't do this without an act of Congress. Biden said, I don't think I can do it without Congress. Then he couldn't get Congress. So he's like channeling his former boss. I'll get my pen and my phone and I'll enact this just before the midterms. Because the people that this money goes to, let's let's put that in context, are disproportionately affluent. People with college degrees, people who live on the coasts, people who are younger. Hmm. Kind of sounds like the Democratic Party's voting base. Right. Uh, and so it's something that's popular with Democrat voters, but pretty unpopular with the country at large. So it's essentially, uh, yeah, I do think it's not, it's legal. I'm not saying it's like an illegal bribe or whatever, but a lot of politics, I think it was Bastia who said politics is just legal plunder, right? Or it's people trying to uh, live off each other and, and just vote themselves into the public treasury, That's definitely what this is. It's no coincidence, especially because this is going to face legal challenges, potentially. We can get into that. But 
the point is that right now he does the big order, makes all the headlines, then the election happens. Maybe this never even happens. Which is something but that... he got the political boost. Yeah, Democrats do that all the time. They know that they have no legal or constitutional authority to do something. They know something will get struck down by the courts, but they do it anyways. Uh, I I'm, I'm, cannot remember what the most famous example of this was, but it was early on where he just wanted the good headlines. So do you think this gets struck down and what is he basing this on? What old statue? I think you posted it last night. Was it was the Hope or something along those lines. Where is he deriving the authority? So he goes back to a 1965 law, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that gave the Secretary of Education some discretion but that was literally passed before the modern student loan programs and this, all this debt even existed. So the idea that Congress intended to give up their constitutional power of the, pur- the purse spending and let them do this, just unilaterally spend half a trillion dollars, is just absurd. And in fact, even the Department of Education did an internal review in 2021 and concluded that they don't have the power to executively or unilaterally cancel debt without Congress. But then Biden was just like, well, look again and look harder. (laughs) Um, And so I think it's definitely unconstitutional. And I know you saw my tweet, but originally I was like, oh, this is going to get struck down. I'm like 80 to 90% confident, but I'm also not a lawyer. So I had some, some, you know, openness and humility and I had some conversations with people about it. And basically all the lawyers or right of center, like legal analysts that I talked to constitutional attorneys, agree that it's unconstitutional, but they say it might not actually get struck down because there's going to be a very tricky issue. Who has standing to sue? Hmm. So, and I can't really explain this. Like I said, I'm not a lawyer, but not just anyone can sue and say that a policy is unconstitutional. And it's not good enough to just say I'm a federal taxpayer and I, my money's being wasted. You have to have a plaintiff uh, or somebody's had actually, had to show harm that they've been yeah, harmed by the policy. Exactly. So like, for example, eminent domain, they showed that famous case, uh, keto versus new London or whatever it is. Um, they show that the, the person is the plaintiff who had their house seized by the government. Right. And they sue and then lawyers represent them and they have all these arguments. Who's going to be the plaintiff here? It's, it's going to be hard to know, And so even though this is unconstitutional, in my view, and a lot of people agree, it might actually evade legal scrutiny. It might not, but there's some reason to think they might have a a hard time uh, making this into a, a successful legal challenge. And that would be a huge, huge problem because then you have a president going beyond the bounds of their authority, but no checks and balances. If you try to do something that's beyond your power, the system is supposed to stop you. And I think by and large, it does a decent job of this. The Supreme Court struck down Trump multiple times when he tried to do things. He doesn't have the legal authority to he's, do. He's not in the White House still. <laughs> you know, but we, Biden, <laughs> but Biden, they've struck down things that Biden tried to do, like his vaccine mandate. And generally, they serve as a decent check, the Supreme Court, on or, or the president. I think they should do way more. But when they really go overboard, but it could never get to the Supreme Court unless people are able to bring lawsuits. And if nobody has standing, the Supreme Court can't do anything. So I'm a little bit worried he might get away with this rogue action. 
Although, you know, there are lawyers already working to find an argument of how somebody can have standing. So I'm hoping they'll be able to come up with something. One, one person who uh, might want to claim standing is my wife. I, I, I have a $10,000 I told you so uh, in our marriage, which is just priceless in the first year, Brad, let me tell you. Uh, I said, don't pay your student loans because Joe Biden may do it when he becomes president. She said, no, 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 I'm going to be responsible which is not the thing to be in the in in 2022. So she paid off roughly $9,000 worth of student loans in 20 late 2020 early 21. She's not going to get a dime. No, she is ticked. And I have been amazed at I mean I have a fairly middle of the road audience thanks to the Pat Down podcast on Instagram especially and it's like 80% mad, 20% happy about this. You know it's bad when the White House press corps asks Joe Biden, do you think you're ticking people off who were responsible? I don't... How popular is this? I mean, they they obviously thought that it'd be popular with their segment of voters. Maybe that's all they care about. But I've been really kind of surprised in the last 24 hours with the amount of people who are very unhappy about this because they feel cheated. What insight do you have on that? Full student debt cancellation is pretty unpopular. It gets like... 35% support in the polls. Hmm. How people will, will feel about this specifically. We don't know, you know, uh, it it will take time for people to poll. How do you feel about Biden's thing? Probably more than that 35% because it does have some income caps and uh, it, it will be attached to his name, but I don't think it'll have a majority support. And what I do know is that it will fire up the progressive base. There'll be people who love this. But there'll also be a solid cadre of people who hate this, people who are pissed. And look, I'm one of those people because everybody out there who went and scrimped and saved and hustled and sacrificed. I went to a public college where I got a scholarship. I worked nights as a security guard starting a week before the first day of my freshman year, and I credit overloaded every semester so I could graduate in three years instead of four, all so I could uh, avoid debt. Turns out, you know, I should have hit the bar. I should have just racked up some loans and not worked as much, not done those 24-hour shifts on the long weekends, uh, and instead just taken out five, 10 grand in uh, the Stratford loans from the federal program. And I would just be passing them off to uncle Sam right now. And it's not just bitterness. People on the left will be like, well, uh, I didn't have enough food growing up. So I want other kids to starve. That's basically the conservative <laughs> argument. Like, no, it's, it's not that we don't just want them to have nice things. We're not just spiteful. It's that we have to pay for it. You're taking money from us who scrimped and saved, and giving it to people who didn't. That's why it's a problem. It's not just us wanting to watch other people suffer. But when when the rich just get to suck off the public teat all the time, why not us little guys, Brad? Why not just take out whatever we want and do whatever we want? Well, I because I don't support any of it. and <laughs> people. But also people are... Um, there's two big comparisons that are being made that, I, frankly, I think are both BS. People are saying, well, what about the Paycheck Protection Program, the big stimulus program that gave loans, in air quotes, to businesses? Uh, A couple things about that. PPP, I've opposed it. I opposed it since the beginning. I said it was corporate welfare. It was inefficient. And I think I've been proven right. But even as somebody who opposed it, I can say it's not at all comparable to student loans. Because the Paycheck Protection Loans were 
really grants. They were given out with the explicit acknowledgement that if you meet X, Y, and Z requirements, you don't have to pay this back. It's not like a real loan, like student loans, where you agreed to pay this back. And then also they were given to businesses as compensation because the government was literally forcing them to close. It's not like they were getting financing to do a a great investment and expansion that would make them lots of money, which is basically what your college degree is. And then the government said, actually, you can keep it. That's not what it was. Uh, And so I think it's a really disingenuous comparison, although I did also oppose PPP. Um, The other one is, well, they gave Trump uh, tax cuts of $1.9 trillion, uh, and now you don't have money for student debt people? You can't compare letting people keep their own money, which is what tax cuts do, to taking money from some people and giving it to others. It's not comparable. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It just, it's so funny to watch everybody just sort of. That's why it's so powerful, just giving people free stuff, opening up the trough, letting all the hogs eat, because it just lets. Well, they did it, so why can't I? I I just, I think this is something that I've seen the squishy middle that usually doesn't get upset kind of balk at. You know, the people who don't really complain and kind of are not extreme on either side, they're the ones who really seem bothered by this, Um, which is has been a rarity on my feed to just kind of... Now, that's a small sample size, I admit, but I think it's going to be reflected in polls because... I just see people who never speak up about politics being pissed off about personal responsibility. And man, Brad, has it been a long time since I've seen anybody saying personal responsibility is important. So it's been kind of refreshing. Yeah, look, I think it is too. But I've also seen a lot of like, especially on TikTok, a lot of like Gen Z nihilism. (laughs) My favorite expression is get that bag, boo, which basically just means get that money however you can. Uh, (laughs) there were a fair number of college students who like basically falsely said that they were, uh, there was emergency relief for families who'd been hurt by COVID available for like grants and loans and such. And they were just like, check. Yeah. My parents were harmed by COVID and there were no (laughs) strings or verification. And so all these Gen Z is like, get that bag, boo, get that money. And they don't, I'm like, is that ethical to, to falsely claim that your parents have lost their jobs or so, like, and their, their, their philosophy is just get that bag. Um, and I think they're taking a similar approach to this. Even the ones that know it's wrong are like, let me get that. Ta- it's a tax refund, baby. Like, and I get that. I get that sentiment, but principled wise, it's still wrong. It's still bad. Well, but I think there's a lot of that. That's the problem is that we are now, things have gone so far downhill that you're in a state that wants to compromise you. And then it's really hard not to be compromised. And then you're all point. It's like the Spider-Man meme where everybody's pointing fingers at each other. Um, you know? And so, and I, so think, I yeah, I think it only I continues. Did a, I, I did a debate on rising on the Hill uh-huh. and it's hosted. It's one of its hosts is a progressive and one of its hosts is a libertarian. And the progressive host was grilling me on all these things. Like, but but your side supported the Paycheck Protection Program. And I'm like, I didn't. I know. <laughs> Google my name. Google Brad Palumbo PPP. Ten articles will come up with me criticizing it. And it's like they're not prepared to realize that not everybody has flip-flopped on all these things. They're like, you, you, people will always say, you didn't complain about spending under Trump. 
And I'm like, but I did that. Like yeah. Google my name, Trump's deficit. Like that when you have somebody who isn't an NPC, when you have somebody who's not a partisan autonomous, yes, exactly. Then it's like so many people just can't compute. They glitch because they're just not used to actually facing that. And I find it kind of amusing, but also darkly depressing at the same time. Yeah. All right. Final thought on this. Anything that I forgot to ask that I should have asked that the people ought to know? Just that, and this is not really that significant, but I find it funny. About 20% of college students admit to using their student loan money (laughs) to either pay for spring break, buy drugs, or buy alcohol. And now your taxes are going to that, baby. At least two shelves of this bookshelf were bought by student loan money in 2005. So I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm a hypocrite, too. What can I say? It's weird. It's very weird to me that student loans are just given to you as cash that you can then spend <laughs> however. Yeah. I, I, I guess one last question. Um, what I've been around watching the government long enough to know that they can't really functionally do anything. And I think people think that they're going to get like a Discover card with $10,000 in the mail at some point. Ha- did they discuss in that White House document how they're going to actually disperse this money? Do you have to apply somewhere? How is that actually going to be rolled out? Or have they just said, we're going to do this and we'll figure out the details later like they yeah, did with details PPP. TBD. Okay. Uh, but I don't, it, you, I'd be surprised if you have to apply because essentially everybody has an, who has student loans they have an account with the government, like here's how much you owe, here's this. I think they'll essentially just remove it if you qualify. But I'd be surprised if you had to opt in and apply. But no, they just unveiled the broad proposals here. They, they haven't done the actual implementation yet. There was a, I think it was Against the Grain by Michael Lewis, a podcast. Do you remember when, like 15 years ago, if you were in civil service and you went to college and then you were a teacher or a cop for a certain amount of years, you get your student loan debt um, delayed or, or paid off or some crazy amount paid off. Well, and- I was nine, so... <laughs> yeah, and so I'll have to find it. I'll send it to you. But I think the number was crazy. It was like 70 people or 700 people actually ever qualified because you had to apply and they made it so insanely complicated that nobody got any of the paperwork filled out correctly. And they never actually, and I, I mean, my sister went to school to be a teacher because of that program and never qualified. So it was like people, yeah. they also, they sent stimmy checks, billions of dollars of stimmy checks to dead people. Right? Yeah. So we have to be aware of the competency level and general efficiency of the folks who are dealing with. So yeah, I would not be surprised if there were similar dysfunctions or headaches, but I think they will get it so that uh, a lot, if it ever happens, uh, so that more than 70 people or whatever actually get the benefits. All right, Brad, shameless self-promotion time. Tell us where to follow you and what should we re- be reading when we get there? The number one thing, check out the Base Politics Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out my YouTube, TikTok, just search my name, Brad Palumbo, P-O-L-U-M-B-O, Instagram, and check out our website, base-politics.com. Yeah, more the merrier. I'm basically on everything at this point. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much, Brad. We really appreciate your time. Thanks. And thank you, listener. If you got something out of this, the best thing you can do for any podcast that you listen to is to share it with your friends and say there's something valuable here. So please do that now. All right. Thank you so much, and we will see you again soon.
This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.